This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to Tampa Tantrum episode the 75. Uh, I'm joined by Jen Ruglo. Hello, Jen. 75th. <laughs> 75. 70 whatever I said. This isn't going anywhere, is it? It's not, uh, is it? How's tricks, Stephen? I'm very good, but you're not Jen. Where you been? Um, where have I been? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Summer is sore, it feels like. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. It's uh, It's been a busy few months uh, for us, yeah, but... um. Glad to be back, as always. We talked about you in um, in seventy four. Uh, we just talked about like how freaking busy you are at the moment. I'm thinking like I've always, I don't know you. Well, you know what I'm like. I'm always very busy, but I think I I'm getting better better at being busier because I feel like the team that we've built around us at Three of E is just is so capable. But there's an awful lot of standing around watching things happen. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, Isn't but, it interesting how businesses develop like that, where you kind of the, like the people, like you know, you're ve- you were very much the the driving influence of three FE in the early days, and the doer, like you were the only person, and now yeah, but that's that's not scalable at all in any sort of way. No, no, no. But like now, you are. I think you can safely say you could disappear for a, a week, like you did last week on holiday, and know that everything will be working well and not even working well moving on as well and kind of going forward yeah that's the that's the goal anyway uh, and for the most part it's true definitely yeah um it's a strange thing though because you, you want to do everything you know like i want to work on bar and i want to learn how to roast coffee and i want to you know be involved in the green sourcing and i want to do all the design work and you know do all the things um which is sad that you don't get to do all those things but can't do everything. It's kind of good though, as well. It's like for, for me, I, I'm actually enjoying not having to do everything now, and other people like some of the ideas and stuff that are coming in. Like I'm like I would never have done that. Like that's super smart. Um, so like we're doing this. I told you about doing this pop up that we're going to be doing in London in March, April, and May. Um, Tell me about it. So we're doing a pop up. Uh, it's a three months. You said that already. Yeah. That, well, that's. Well, that, yeah, I'm telling you about <laughs> it. It's for three months, and it's in central London in Oxford Street. In uh, I, I think I'm allowed to say it now. Dale will probably kill me if I do, but like, it, it's going to be at Uniglo, which is a Japanese fashion typey store thing, and and we're going to be doing like only hand brewed stuff. So it's it's going to be Kalita. Uh, we're going to have lots of different coffees. No espresso machine. Um, and just we've got one of the new Marco brewers um, that we're going to put in, and yeah, is that the batch brewer? No, no, the the font thing that oh, I can't remember what it's called. But it's oh like, yeah, 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 the mix. That's it, the mix. So we're going to be using that, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And we were trying to think of names for coming up with it and stuff. And you know, I was like, well, I don't know what do we call it. Like, and and it was actually Jen came up with the idea of hand. So it has been and Uniglo, but it's ah, hand. And cool. the branding, I'm just like, I'm in love with it. Like, I'm properly in love with this branding. Like, Jen's come up with a logo and everything, and it looks amazing. Now, I would have never have done that. Like, I would have done something that kept 
strictly to like what has been is and like you know about that and it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good so letting go of that to somebody else is just so refreshing because I, I feel like we've got a much better outcome from somebody else doing it than me doing it because that's not where I'm good are you suggesting that I wouldn't be useful in a roastery I'm suggesting I I think you would be more hindrance than help <laughs> thanks for that Although no problem. Not being rude, Colin. You are, I you are, agree with you. Yeah, you are an excellent priest. Just as I would be completely out of my depth behind the bar, like I'm a, not I'm a show pony, not a workhorse, Stephen. I think is yes. the, the phrase that comes to mind. Okay, well, I wouldn't be very good as a show pony either. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. I think we all have our skills, Colin, and yours are best implemented as they are now. <laughs> <Talk to you. laughs> um, so uh, that's amazing and when does that start then in three weeks or so is it or two weeks time so hopefully two weeks time we've got to get a bar built in that time um wow. and yeah but it's, I, I'm, I'm actually going to cover some shifts there as well which is going to be fun um wow you are the king of kennels yeah. though aren't you are you I also am. the king of I am, I, <laughs> I, I, I i'm more the uh emperor of Kalita. The Emperor of Kalita. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Um, <laughs> cool. And um, I also hear rumours, murmurings of um, an event in Gothenburg as well. There is. There is. We are We are taking... We, if you'd listened to the podcast last uh, two weeks ago, you would have heard all about the Brasserie of Gothenburg. I'm really sorry. I know. I actually told you to as well because it was a really good one. Like, I, the, see, the, was problem, okay, the problem is that we're just... right bang in the middle of the Six Nations. So at the moment, all of my time is spent listening to rugby podcasts. And they all say the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all, it's funny actually, this is going way off tangent, but Jen isn't here to get me back on. But they, uh, every week <laughs> you can hear that one of the commentators will say a phrase, all right? And then they will all say it that week. So this week, the phrase was up the guts, which is when you go up through the middle, you know, when you kind of pick the ball up and go through the middle as opposed to going wide. And so this mm. week's phrase was up the guts. For anyone listening to rugby podcasts out there, if that's at all relevant, it's not. Gothenburg! Back to Gothenburg! Oh, hang on so, a sec. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Are we hanging on for, Colin? Colin, this really doesn't work on an audio format. It's hang on a second. Uh, no, it paused for a second. Anyway, it should be fine. Go. Okay, so Barista League Gothenburg, our friend Stephen Maloney, uh, that has been doing it for a number of years, has invited us to come along and do um, a... It's kind of like a sideline event uh, after the main Barista League event of uh, certifications. Um, Jen has people lined up to talk. I don't know whether she's told you, but she... She tells me and then some it changes and so I'm not sure who. Um, but I know um, we've got uh, Angel Mario um, who is yeah, working for, oh come on, uh, part of the SCAA's advisory board I think on um, sustainable business. And cool. um, yeah, we're going to have... Sarah Marocci. I have a bio in front of me. I could read the bio. Will I read could the you? Bio? Okay, well, you read the maybe bio. Maybe edit that bit out and I could pretend that I like do this off the cuff. All right. Edit. Yeah, yeah, just like right, okay. Oh, Angelo. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Angel Mario Martinez Garcia. You mean? Yes, I do. 
Tell me, yeah, do you know a, a little bit about Angel? Yeah, originally from uh, Colima, Mexico, Angel Murillo graduated in marketing and started his career as a market research coordinator and strategic planner. Uh, but in 2004, he made a life-changing move to the Netherlands, which brought his interest towards sustainable supply chains. And um, since then, he's been... How do you know all this? I, I just picked it up. Yeah, since then, anyway, he's been involved in Progresso program. And since uh, 2009, I think, he's led the program's expansion in Africa and Asia, actually, as it happens. He's a <laughs> member of the Sustainability Advisory Committee of uh, the Unified SCA. And he's recently competed uh, or completed... Uh, an MBA in sustainable business and has travelled to most of the coffee and cocoa producing, producing countries in the world. Uh, he has gained tremendous first-hand experience, in my opinion, of the issues affecting these sectors and how to find out, uh, together with smallholder producers, the best way to um, address them. Wow, it sounds almost like you read that. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah it does, yeah. That's crazy. Um, and who else will be there? I, I think Sarah Marocci is going to be there. From, Sarah, you know Sarah from oh, Vuna Origin yeah, she's Consulting. born in Italy, but educated in the UK, uh, and she found her path in the specialty coffee sector in various roles since 2007, I believe. Um, a social scientist by training, she began working as a development worker in Kenya in early 2000s and started to grow an interest in ways to grow and strengthen rural supply chains in East Africa. She began working as East Africa Supply Chain Manager for Sustainable Harvest in about 2007, if memory serves. And this role would keep her working in Tanzania for the next four years. L later, she moved to headquarters in Portland, Oregon, as we all know, uh, heading up the global procurement and supply chain management team for about... Did she do that for four years, though, About four years, actually, yeah, if memory yeah. serves. Sarah's yeah. recently moved, actually, uh, to Amsterdam to start That's her... That's to start Buna. her uh, origin consulting, uh, specialising yeah. in chain and uh, strategies and product development in green coffee and cacao, I believe. That's it. That's that's it exactly, Steve. Yeah, and uh, the, <laughs> it's a perfect mix of origin travel, supplier relationships, and tropical products. Really, I suppose that makes her work extremely exciting. She's and the thing about uh, it is that she's so passionate and about creating long-term sustainable solutions to empower and incentivize supply chain actors in collaborative ways. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Anybody else going to be speaking? Joanna Alm. Who? Yeah, no idea. It just, it just says her name here. Okay. Some, she dropped coffee or something? I don't know. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, Isn't, uh, that. Wasn't she born in Darlana in northern Sweden? Uh, Darlana? Yeah, I know Dor Darlana, Darlana quite well, actually. Yeah. Uh, but also she ran a coffee bar in Oslo for a few years. Uh, moved home to Sweden and started working at Drop in, must have been 2010, I'd say. A few years yeah. ago, Joanna became partner in the company and is now the CEO, head roaster and green coffee buyer at Drop Coffee. Uh, a two-time winner of the Swedish Roasting Championships, uh, who has placed consistently in the final four of the World Roasting Championships during her time representing Sweden over the past three years, namely 2014, 2015, 2016. Uh, wow. Joanna is also known for her passion for coffee education and community, participating as a speaker, panelist, lecturer, and attendee at coffee events wor worldwide, both as Drop Coffee's head roaster and as a working group member of the Roasters Guild of Europe, or the Euro wow. Guild, as they like to be called. We do like, wait, the Euro Guild is being gobbled up. In the aggressive oh. takeover. So the Euro Guild's not going to be around for much longer. Oh. Our readers are in the Euro Guild. It's going to be the Scar Guild. Did you Scar. see that video, by the way? Scar. Did you see it? I, I, I think I did. Was yeah. it on Sprudge? Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember. It's hate to say Scar. And lots but it of... was like Shvar or something they were saying. Shvar. Yeah, that's anyway. Not, that's definitely not how you say it, though, is it? No, no, it's definitely not. 
So yeah, so that's going to be in Gothenburg. Um, are you going to be there? Um, I will endeavour to do so. I'm, I'm going to be there. Gothenburg. I particularly want to go to Stockholm because I've never been to Stockholm. So maybe I'll go to Stockholm and then go to Gothenburg and then come home. Mm, that could work. Give you, a, give you a chance to buy me dinner. Okay, I can buy you dinner. I, I'm, they've got McDonald's there as well. No, I think there's a place called Extat that you need to bring me to. <laughs> damn, damn. He knows too much. Um, uh, so yeah, that's another great temper tantrum event coming to uh, Gothenburg near you. I, I think it's really exciting. I'm, I, I'm kind of very, very excited to get involved with the whole Barista League thing because it's just, it, it ties nicely into the last time you were on Tampa Tantrum, which was with the Barista Competitions Are Dead thing. Um, oh, yeah. And, I got in trouble with that. Yeah? Yeah, Steemo wasn't happy with me. Was he not? No. Oh, why? Uh, I don't know. Well, I think it, happened, it started on the day because everybody was like, I had people come up to you afterwards and like vehemently oppose some of the points that I made but like it was a debate I was supposed to argue the case I was given so I didn't necessarily believe everything that I said I was yeah. trying to win the competition because the people that we were arguing against had six weeks of prep time for how, how did that work for you trying to win the argument well given that we only had 10 minutes to work on something uh, as opposed to our competitors who had six weeks um, we did really well yeah, yeah. quite close yeah I don't think one might did. say that we 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 made you know a lot of progress and we managed to change it from a yes barista competitions are dead to quite convincingly barista competitions are not dead in a very yeah, short space I, I of think time. It's, it, I, well, I I also had to undo all uh, not not only kind of deal my own workload but also undo the bad work that Matt Perger might have been doing might have been doing. I'm not saying that you did do it. It's not, it's not like I'm blaming him that for for our, uh, us coming second. You're crushing defeat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we came second. And uh, Last. It's hard, to say, it's hard to say whose Last. fault it is because they here playing the blame game all day. <laughs> uh, but suffice it to say, um, I think uh, I, yeah, I suppose in, 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 in another way, emerged victorious. I wish I'd you. I mean, see, the reason I kind of link the two with the, with the whole Gothenburg thing is I wish I'd kind of used the argument more of like the Barista League side of it and how it can be much more inclusive and fun and more of a social event than the stiffness and formality of the barista competition. Um, That's true. And I suppose AirPress is a good example of that as well. Um, yeah, but it's a have, terrible you competition have, you as have well. You have Frogfight in, in France as well, which is another... Yeah, Frogfight hasn't happened for a long time now, though. I think it's kind of... Yeah. And Stephen's kind of taking this show on the road and just going out and getting sponsors. Um we we have a title partner for this for this Cup North, which is Ali Coffee. Yeah, yeah, but Cup North is very much more aimed at the consumer, I think. Yeah. Whereas you know we're talking about you know stuff for coffee professionals to associate, and that's that was one of the main arguments of barista competitions are not dead is it gives us a chance to, to come together, but then so does something like Barista League, which is fun. there was a time. In 2009, I think it was before the shop opened, or maybe shortly afterwards, which would have been 2010. But uh, I remember sitting there with Paul Stack uh, and seeing if he would be interested in supporting uh, a similar kind of like barista-led, uh, like traveling roadshow with the aim of like promoting filter coffee mm-hmm. and just general special coffee, especially coffee in general in in the city and in the country. And do you know what that group was going to be called? Go on. You're going to like this. Club 18 to 22. 
18 to 22. Why? Because that's the, because of extraction. the window of extraction. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit naff, not, though, isn't not, it? It is. It was kind of funny. It's like one of those things where it's funny the first time you hear it, and then it becomes less no. funny the more you hear it. No, I disagree. <laughs> Steve, there are people listening to this right now, and they're like falling off their chairs laughing. It's are like, they? That's, that's are they laughing right at there. or with? That's some prime material right there, Steve, and you just can't deal with it. Okay. But yeah, um, I would uh, it would be good to see more of these sort of events pop up. You yeah, know? well, there's going to be Rather one in Copenhagen not long after as well. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, a couple of months later, I think it is. But, but yeah, we, we shall deal with this one first, I guess. So are tickets are incredible as well. Have you seen the ticket price? Like a tenner. Like 10 euro, and that includes coffee and a light lunch. I might just go for the light lunch. But no, I think it's great value. It really is cool. And that's the thing I think Stephen's trying to do is make stuff incredibly accessible. Um, and um, no, it's good. Sweet. It's very, very good. So you, the reason you've not been on for a little while, Carl, is that you've been moving roastery. How's that gone? Um, It went generally very well. So um, for... Um, uh, I suppose a bit of a backstory. We uh, until now we've been roasting in Dublin Port, so we found a unit which was fifteen hundred square feet, which for those of you that don't know was, I suppose, about the size of a basketball court. Maybe would that be fair? Yeah. Um, and um, we have been roasting there since two thousand, since November two thousand twelve, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um. It got to the stage where, not just because of the, the amount of coffee we were roasting, but also because of the amount of espresso machines that we're selling. If you want to buy an espresso machine, please do contact us. Um, but we uh, we just needed to move space. And also the facilities there weren't great. And, you know, it was just like a temporary thing. We were on a, a 30-day license there. So it was never going to be um, a long-term thing. It was just something for us to start. Um, the beauty of the place is that it was so close to the city. So it's like a 10 minute drive from our shop, but like completely remote. Like we're almost uh, like we're uh, on this bit of land that juts out to the sea. Like the next stop is Liverpool, but uh, at the same time, really accessible for the city center. So it was good for us that way. So we decided that we needed to move now. Um, kind of in hindsight, like one of the, the beauties of doing work with Nova Simonelli and Victoria Duino, um, our kind sponsors, uh, is when I travel, I get to see how businesses have evolved and grown and then also seen how has been has evolved and grown. And it seems to me every time I come back to has been the bit that you've just, that you told me the last time you were going to move into, you had already filled and you were looking for another space to fill in after that. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's reasonably difficult to find something like that in Dublin. Like we wouldn't really have a place where we could be guaranteed that we could grow into. So we had to I suppose find somewhere that was good value that we could afford and that was large enough for us to grow into, you know? So we went from a space that was 1,500 square feet to a space that was uh, 8,500 square feet. So it's quite large. Um, it's massive. It's too much space. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too much space. But at the same time, it's it's perfect for us, you know. And it's weird because, like, the the rent on it, a rent on a unit half the size was uh, only about 15% less. Mm. And it's just that, like, and the the guy, the say agent was telling me that above kind of five thousand square feet, there's not much competition for spaces. 
you know, everybody's looking for a unit that's like, you know, a thousand to five thousand square feet. Yeah. So this thing was eight and a half thousand square feet as a standalone unit has 20 parking spaces, you know, and um, it was, I suppose, a little bit out of our budget. But I think in time it'll grow. And yeah, we're hoping to have the Aeropress Championships there as well, which should be a nice way to get everybody to come see it. We told everybody two weeks ago that was going to happen as well. Yeah, cool. And yeah. then we... Um, it, uh, yeah, so it went well. So I kind of, the other thing that I've learned over the years, like from our own experience and from your experience and from other people I've uh, uh, talked to as well, is that every time somebody moves a roaster, it stops working. Mm. I'm, I'm touching wood here as I speak. Um, and like there's definitely, and I've learned this with shops and stuff as well as that, like there's definitely, you feel, especially when you're a business owner as well, I think it's kind of, it's built into you that you want to, um, you kind of want to do everything, you know what I mean? And it's kind of what we spoke about before. Um, but there's a time and a place, and because we're roasting so much at this stage that we had no window for error, you know what I mean? Mm. So we had to do roasting, like two weeks roast the week beforehand, then we had a week to stop, and then we had to start again. And there's a learning curve in moving roasters and, you know, managing plumbers and electricians and carpenters and... Uh, and the movers and all of those things uh and that learning curve is one that i didn't really want to to learn you know what i mean like i'm only gonna do this like once every 10 years you know what i mean it's it's not it's not a skill you really need to hone is it no not really you know like and it's kind of i'd like to learn how to plaster walls but you know i just you know it's better off just getting someone to plaster a wall so we found a company who are industrial movers and we paid them a lot of money to turn up and take a keys office and then a week later give us back the keys to the new roastery. And thankfully, and I'm, I'm vigorously touching wood here, uh, it went well. That's good. And Yeah, and the thing is, the other thing is that like, because like the, the roastery team were like, oh, what we do for a week? And they actually had a lot of things to do that week because they had to like reschedule all the deliveries they had to you know organize you know security they had to organize like all the little small things that they didn't realize so that week where they were down they actually end up having a lot of stuff that they could do and also um the rest of us like so myself in the office with garrett and kieran and then the wholesale team we all have our normal jobs to do anyway so like halfway through that week it was like like why did i even consider doing it myself it was um yeah it went well so they've been roasting there for like three weeks now yeah and um we're looking forward to uh the roastery team will have offices there soon and we're looking forward to then like there's been a i suppose there was the roastery and the wholesale team were always very separate but like moving them together and having like you know morning cuppings and you know uh, have a bit more um uh, interaction between those two things as we grow is getting really because when you have a small team that happens naturally but now there's like 33 of us so yeah yeah, and then actually, no, there's more. Well, because we're opening a new shop, which I don't know how we do this, okay? Because there's a new shop that we're opening called Five Points, which I'll tell you a little bit. And that will have a team of seven people. So do I count that as three and a half staff members or do I count it as none or seven? Cause yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's, that's because it's in partnership with Adam, isn't it? Who, yeah, yeah. So previous the background on that one is that um i'm talking a lot this week. that's okay it's good i'm glad you're talking a lot colleen because we've all missed your voice <laughs> thank you Stephen. um the so yeah so adam sheridan is uh had ran the shop on grand canal street um and he came to late last year and said he wanted to go do his own thing and i said sure why don't we help you so 
we found a place in Harold's Cross, which is just in the suburbs, just I suppose just over the canal, not quite suburbs, not quite city. And um, yeah, so we're going to do all the background stuff and he's going to run it. So we call it five points because there's a junction up the road, has five roads leading into it. Yeah. And it's the junction of Kimmage, Terenure, Harold's Cross, uh, Rath Mines and Terenure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lovely little shop and uh, I've got a feeling it's going to be quite busy. So yeah, it's um, it's an interesting week. And it's a, it's a good way. It's kind of a a pilot project for us because like a lot of the people that work for us are really ambitious and want to run their own businesses someday. So you, you never really know where this might go. It might be a disaster. We'd never do it again. Mm-hmm. Then again, it might be, might be a good thing. I, I, have you kind of come across any challenges of kind of going from, you know, obviously Adam was an employee to now being a business partner. Has that, has that transition been smooth? Or has there been problems? Has there been like new challenges you didn't expect? Um, not really. Uh, I think the main thing, you see, the thing about Adam is, and like, I'm sure anyone that runs their business, out, uh, runs their own business out there will, will know that, it will, will have experience with this, or hopefully will, is that sometimes you, people work for you and they, they run your business like it's theirs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Adam's always been like that. You know, like I would come in uh, on a Thursday morning and I'd be like, God, you look tired. He was like, yeah, I was up early. I was like, why? Because oh, I had to come in at four o'clock to turn the alarm off. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, like, you, you didn't have to do that. And he goes, oh, I just didn't want to bother you. You know, and the shit like that, that's that's kind of, he's always been like that. So my favourite kinds of stuff. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so what it makes, uh, when he made that decision, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, to, to go in with him. So I think we've always had a pretty good working relationship. And I think, like, anyone that visited the shop in, in, um, during WBC week will, will be familiar with Adam. He's just, he was he was head, of, head of vibes, wasn't he? Yeah, the v- director of vibes, I think, is the official term. Um, so he's bringing those vibes to uh, to Harold's Cross, and we're excited. So we're hoping to open in the next week or so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, yes, it's looking it's looking pretty slick. Yeah, I've seen photos on uh, on our uh, uh, WhatsApp group, and it's looking amazing. It's very exciting. I, uh, yeah, and it's very different to three of as well. And the bar concept is something that I'm quite excited about so i it's kind of testing a theory that i have it's quite subtle that most people probably wouldn't realize but anyone that's that's worked a bar will kind of look at it and go oh i see what you're doing there so I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that that rolls out very exciting very exciting so um we should uh, we've got a new feature colin have you heard about our new feature no, hit me with this new feature. So we think that there's plenty of voices of roasters and baristas out there. Like they're, they're always chatting, doing podcasts and kind of having their bit out there. Uh, but there's very little to do with producers. None. None. So the, uh, we've had an idea of roping in Alejandro Martinez, my good buddy um, and uh, compadre from El Salvador. And... Um, He's going to do like a, an update on what's happening at the farm at this particular time of year that we're doing the podcast. And he's very kindly recorded something for us we can listen to um, um, within the podcast. So it's just like a little feature that we're going to start doing. Awesome. So I'm really excited that I can say, let's roll the tape. <laughs> Hi, so this is Alejandro and as I'm driving 
to the farm, I thought I'd do a little uh, intro as to some of the work that we are doing at Finca Argentina currently and how all that work and ideas and the philosophy and our approach just uh, came about. Um, so everything kind of started back in 2012 with the advent of the leaf frost outbreak. And at that point, I realized that like, a lot of the agronomists that were advising you really had no idea how to solve the problem. And a lot of the people that actually recommended chemical products to you were basically just salesmen. So that realization has to do not trust them because they kind of don't know as much as you do, led me to do a lot of research and a lot of digging and basically started to develop a framework as to the approach that we wanted to take towards our coffee. So I feel that every farmer needs to have a certain philosophy as to what they want to achieve. And after a lot of trials and tribulations in my from my end, I basically came down to we're looking for quality, which we know we have. So everything we do has quality as sort of our end of objective. Um, and I think that's sort of the first step that a, a producer needs to make. Is it's, Are you looking for quality or productivity? Because either decision will take you down different paths, right? So... And I, I, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive by any means. It all depends how you want to approach it. So for us, for example, we want quality and that has led us to work in a more organic matter or organic way and everything because we are, um, I guess you can never be sure, but we are convinced that organic management provides and gives you a better cup in the end, a healthier plant and thus a better bean and thus a better coffee. So with that in mind, um, we started a couple years ago, well, three years back, we started with the first sort of initiatives. We started working with biochar. Um, we started looking into composting of coffee pulp to apply that and basically all that has evolved and uh, we've been able to I've been able to visit Honduras where organic agriculture is ways ahead of what we have here in El Salvador especially in regards to, to coffee um, I haven't been able to go to Costa Rica which is light years away but uh, the whole idea with what we're doing is we're trying to be more self-sustainable trying to work with what we have instead of buying and and spending money to give to other people to give us a product that may solve a problem, but by doing so will is creating another one. Um, so the whole idea is just to be sustainable, work with what we have, and, you know, um, it's not really cheaper per se. It's the input is cheaper but the labor is more intensive in managing the farm the way we do. So um, this is some framework as, 
you know, as you start thinking about what we are trying to achieve and why we do things in a certain way at the farm. So um, that approach led us to basically analyze everything we do because when you try to do organic, it's not really that, oh, you do one thing or but not another. It's, you know, the, the, uh, it's horrible. It's like going down the rabbit hole and... Once you realize everything that's available to you and everything that you should be trying, you just want to do it. So um, we we started with composting, and then I realized you don't need to rely only on the composting. You also need to work with microorganisms. You also need to apply foliar sprays that we do also at the farm. So that that's... That's been the whole approach. Um, we are developing a lot of things. Um, some of the coffee that we process at the farm, we keep, for example, all the wastewater from the wash process, and we put it in a barrel, and we use that later on in our composting practice, which we basically are producing a product we call Bokashi, which is... Um, an anaerobic fermentation where the compost mix doesn't reach high temperatures. You try to keep them very low, um, and we do it by anaerobic fermenting it, um, or anaerobic decomposition, basically. That would be the right term. So, um, and, and we are basically implementing that in about half of the farm which has all the new plantings. Um, and the, the other part of the farm with the old planters, we're not doing that. And basically right now that we have just finished the harvest, we're starting the, well, the dry season um, is upon us. And it's the best time to start doing all the composting because all the materials are not getting wet. So it's easier for us to control the humidity level that we want, we want to give it. We... We do have it covered, but still, you know, there are certain issues. And um, I think on the blog post, I'm, I'm going to be sending Jen some pictures so you can get an idea of all the raw inputs that we've been getting up to the farm that we're going to be processing. So um, we are basically utilizing chicken litter, uh, charcoal, um, ground rock that I, I I went to a, quar a quarry, and I actually got rock powder from the quarry, and it has a lot of minerals that we want to incorporate into the soil. We're using microorganisms, molasses, um, rice polishings. Uh, I, I got in contact with a guy that owns... Um, they process pinto beans, and all of the rejects, or the beans that get rejected for human consumption because, you know, they don't meet the standards, we're using those in our composting. So so everything that we can get a, a hold of, we're trying to work into the Bokashi fertilizer that we're going to, we apply into the field. And that's basically what we're doing for the dry season. We're going to be starting this uh, uh, preparation of our fertilizers, and it's a lot. We're, we will be needing about 3,500 quintales, and one quintal is 100 pounds. So 
is about 3,500 bags of compost or bokashi that we need to come up with. Um, so we'll be, we're, we basically are able to turn about 600 bags per month. So we are going to be working on that for over the next four months. And um, that's going to be time consuming and, you know, is, is, is part of the labor intense, intensity that I was mentioning that organic agriculture is. All right, so I'll leave it for that for now, and I'll keep posting as to how we're doing with our fertilizer elaboration over the next weeks. Thanks. So did you enjoy that, Carl? Did I watch? That's a really great idea. Isn't it? Are you sure it wasn't my idea, no? No, no, it was definitely... It seems like something I'd come up with. It was de- definitely Jennifer's idea. But she's very smart. You gave her a lot of your smartness. I must have inspired the idea, did I? Uh, Probably. Probably. (laughs) That's what I think. Uh, No, that's great. It's a really interesting... um, It's a good point that we don't hear enough from producers who tend to talk on their behalf. Um, And it's a really interesting um, way to to learn about what's going on there. Well, if you'd listened to last week's uh, podcast again, Colin... Which I didn't. Which you didn't. um, I'm also writing a book... And I'm doing it about the producers and giving the producers an actual voice to answer questions. So, like, it's like a question type thing where I'm kind of filling out the forms and kind of talking about their history and how they got into coffee and stuff. So, trying to get the producers' voice out there too. Very cool. Mm. Yes. And uh, and when um, oh now I get to ask you every day for three years when the book's coming out. Uh, yeah, I can tell you it'll be out in six months' time. Okay. Yeah, you're probably going to do it in six months' time as well, aren't you? Oh, definitely. I'm already, I'm already fifty odd pages in now, so fifty pages. Yeah, that's what. How many pages do you want it to be? Uh, it's about one hundred and fifty. I'm expecting. Okay. So yeah, I I I will have it sooner, but I've 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 got uh, an editor lined up because my spelling and writing is atrocious. Um, so somebody's going to have to go through with a big red marker pen, i.e., Jen. Um, huh. But I've also got an external editor as well that's uh, going to go through it too. Um, inspired by yourself, Colin. I thought if you can do one, any idiot can do one. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, that's it, it. It's a lot of work, though, isn't it? Um. Well, I, I yeah, like so. The book that I wrote is fifty-five thousand words. Shh. That's a and that's a lot of words. It's weird because I feel like, okay, I need to be careful how I say this now. So it's kind of like with a barista competition because I, people say, oh, it must be like so much hard work and you put so much effort in my, like, so for a barista competition, let's say 2013 Melbourne, by the time it got to finals, I put eight hours in. <laughs> now, people will always come back with, oh, that's why you didn't fucking win. But I'm like, yeah, but like it didn't, you know give up half my year like some people you talk to people at competitions they're like yeah i've been you know stopped working nine months ago to focus on this and like you're an idiot anyway so <laughs> um so do you like, say that this, to them uh yeah i kind of do that's why i don't have friends anymore mm. the uh, if you're focused and you have a good idea what you want so it's like think think more do less you know what i mean that's kind of the approach um so with the book like how often has somebody come to you and said you know 
Um, so, uh, like, why? I don't know. Like, a question you must be asked is like, okay, so why wouldn't? Uh, why don't you do an espresso roast? Like, you could just there's instantly in your mind there's a huge, like, bank of shit that you want to say about that topic that you've probably said thousands of times before. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So you're just ready to go. So if I called you now and said, "Steve, I need a thousand words on why you don't roast for espresso," you could go, "Bang, do it." Okay. Easy, yeah. And that's, so what I did was basically, I compiled all of the questions, and I, so I start, I search back through my inbox for all, like every now and again, I get someone to email me and say, oh, look, I'm having this problem, I was wondering if you had any advice, and I'd email them a response. And sometimes I literally would take that response, drop it into a Word file, and then just like flesh it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then I'd go to people and I'd say, here, like, is there anything you'd like to know more about? with regards to running coffee shops and they'd say oh I'd like to know more about this and i go alright cool and as soon as someone told me I'd have these conversations in my head and we'd just plop it out so the amount of time that I actually put into it wasn't huge mm-hmm. in comparison because it was already, I already had it already written down or else I had emails or else it was just in my head do you know what I mean so it's not like if I decided to go write a novel about you know a sheep farmer in Galway I'd have to go do some research and I'd have to you know spend a lot of time contriving it and putting it all together whereas this is more like it's already happened I already have all that conversation in my head mm. and you see my, my, my hardest bit with it all I found is that I'm trying to keep to a format so I've got yes the format is the first thing you do yeah so I've got a format of like four pages for a producer which are set up in kind of like how like quotes from them with pictures and then there's a little bit about like how I met them, you know, how long they've been in coffee, how they got involved in coffee, background on the family. And then there's a page at the end, which is like questions that I've asked them. So very direct questions. And I've selected from the, di- I, I asked lots more questions that I'm putting in and choose which ones I want to put into it. But I've only got a set amount of space to get them in. So it's a, it's a very set format. Now, if I get to some producers, they're, they're, they've not been as sharing with me as others. So I don't have as much information. So for some, I could do 10 pages. And for some, I struggle with the one page. Um, and it, it's really weird. It's like I, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to flesh it out. Sometimes I'm trying to trim it all down just to fit in this really tight boundaries I've given myself, which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing. Yeah, and it's different. Because, yeah, like Because the other thing is context. That like There's certain things that you could ask a farmer in El Salvador that they could have reams of knowledge and yeah. opinions and information about it. but then if you ask us that same question to somebody in Kenya they'd be like no I've never thought about that well you know I've, I mean? I've also done it in so for a lot of the producers we buy from you know English isn't the first language you know a lot of Spanish speakers so I've got it translated into the questions into Spanish as well but then that's me translating them back and then there's a real problem with you know um you know, the communication part of it, the, whether the point is coming across in the translation. Um, and, and I've also, I've kind of included the people, the first ones I've done, I've included them in it and sent them a copy of what I've done. It's like, does this look good? And the amount of stuff that's come back is unbelievable. I'm like, geez, I've got to do this for everyone because, um, you know, just I misread things or misunderstood something somebody said to me and, you know, it, it, yeah, really interesting. But I'm learning lots, learning, learning lots. It's fun. The the most difficult thing I found was, um, uh, and I remember this from like from art class, funny enough, when I was in secondary school, is like the bit where you stop. 
You know what I mean? Like, so if you're painting a picture or if you're doing a barista competition or if, if you're doing any sort of creative process, at what point do you go, like, okay, I have to stop now? Because, like, with anything, like, with a book, especially like a book is a, like, it's a good example because it's what we're talking about, but you could always, like, open it up, find a sentence, improve the syntax, mm. uh, or, you know, just nail the point a bit better. Like, you can always, always, always improve it. And, at some point, you just have to stop improving it. Well, but then there's this question in your head of like, oh, well, you know, it could have been better if you'd kept going. But that, but it could never have been as well. And I think that's, yeah. there's, I think there's a big difference in people. Like, I'm going to use the analogy of like setting up a coffee business. You know, everybody says, I'm going to set up a coffee shop. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they do plans and they keep going back to the plans, to the plans, to the point that they never do it because they're paralyzed by the plans not being perfect. And sometimes yeah. you just got to throw something out there. And yeah, it isn't going to be perfect. And I, and I know for a fact, I, I mean, I keep doing it. I'll open it up and I'll go back and read a chapter and go, oh, that's not quite so good. But I've actually got to the point now where I sign something off almost and it's gone. And I'm, gone, I'm, I'm sending it off to the producer to give me the feedback and then go back and change it. Then it's done. And then it'll be up to the editing stage at that point to, you know, to get it right. But um, it's, that, it's kind of that, that uh, old saying jumps to mind that done is better than perfect. Yes. Yeah. Doing something is, is definitely better than doing nothing. And um, it's and, a difficult thing. And so, wait, and so uh, the other thing then is that I have to like pay for the production of all this, these books. And so on Monday, I sent it to the printers and I'm getting 10,000 books produced now. Wow. And I have to pay for them up front. So I now own a lot of copies of my own book. Um, so we're, I'm trying to, I'm talking to different distribution companies about trying, uh, the, the wonderful end goal for me would be able to, that you could just buy it off a website, just click, 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 done, no matter yeah. where you are in the world. And, but then the problem is that like, if, so you kindly went off and got some figures for me and I suppose these are all like in the context that like, if you were to send one book, okay, to, from Dublin to Rio de Janeiro, the postage on it could be like 48 euro. The book only costs thirty. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's it's how do you manage that? So there's lots of companies that are promising that they can. There's drop shipping companies and there's other things like that. And um, so that's going to be the next challenge. But um, at the same time, I have a number of um, kind of wholesale. Well, I've actually nothing signed off officially. But I have a number of people in different countries that that want to wholesale the book. So if you if you are interested, you can drop me an email. Um, and uh, or get in touch and I uh, we can see about doing that but I'm tentatively hopeful of launching it at London Coffee Festival fantastic, fantastic. which should be an awful lot of fun and then um, you can should be able to buy it soon after that point hopefully very good very very good London Coffee Festival so you're going yeah yeah so I will be there with my Nuova Simonelli Victoria Arduino hat on or maybe two hats on isn't it going to be weird me wearing two hats? Yeah, that is kind of weird. Like, I don't know if I could pull that off. No. Isn't it going to be weird that there's no, like, UKBC or Brewers' Cup or anything like that at London Coffee Festival this year? Is the Coffee Masters at it? Coffee Coffee Masters is happening still, yes. Because that's theirs. Because they were, they were both at it last year, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really strange. And so why is that? I, uh, I, so, um, Matt North, who is the um, coordinator for all of the events... He is yeah. in the middle of paternity leave. Um, so that's part of it. Um, the other thing is timing 
with when with it going to Korea this year, there's much longer time. So I think it's taken a little longer to get the heats organised because you know the motivation, the deadline date is have somebody before you get to Korea. Um, yeah. So and I, I understand this completely that you know they're they're kind of like well we don't need it to be here. We need to find the right venues rather than a quick venue. So there's been they've just just announced uh, when the finals are going to be, which is in August. Um, so that's that's I think they're taking advantage of that. Uh, also, I think they want to do their own event, from what I understand as well. So not necessarily be tied to London Coffee Festival, but do something themselves, which I wholeheartedly applaud, and something I was desperately trying to do uh, when I was involved in the UKBC. Uh, very cool. Yeah, no, it's very very good. And I'm doing the Brewers Cup again. Are you? I'm gonna turn my kettles on this time though. That might be good. It's a good start. I, I have, um, I'm going to have a checklist of things to do. Turn on kettles, done. Uh, is it you competing or is it the King of Chemex competing? It's the King of Chemex, yes. Yes. I shall have my crown and everything. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in end of April, I think it is. So, exciting Three times. Does. Yes, and then May, I think it's the Northern Heat or the Midlands, no, Midlands Heat, sorry, for the uh, UKBC as well. So there's loads of stuff. You had a barista competition in that there island, didn't you, recently? Oh, we did, yes. You have a new Irish champion, don't you? To your 2017 Irish barista champion, Niall Wynn. Ah, yeah. So, many of you will know Niall um, as the man behind Proper Order in Smithfield in Dublin, mm. uh, who has uh, come close on many occasions and uh, is definitely one of the hardest working and most dedicated baristas in the city and yeah, it was very delighted for him. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a good feel this year. Um, I think Mark Ashbridge from Established uh, was also, uh, I think he finished third. Did Bruno uh, come second? Uh, Bruno always comes second, even when he doesn't compete. <laughs> and um, yeah, and yeah, there was, it was a pretty strong feel this year. So yeah, congratulations to Niall, who's going to South Korea. I was pop by and say hello to him and teaching the secret handshake now that he's the Irish British champion. <laughs> Ah, that's fantastic. It's uh, It looked like a great competition from afar. Uh, I saw Susie was in there as well, wasn't she? And Mark yeah, yeah. and uh, who else was the... Uh, yeah, it was a very strong final anyway. And, uh, and even at this early stage, like Niall is one of those people that could um, that could win, you know? Yeah. Like, I think he goes to the World Championships now with, with a, a strong um, opportunity to to take that, that World Bristol Championship crown. So best of luck to him. Fantastic news, fantastic. Right, I guess we should wrap up because I think with, with the, our alley segment in there, we're probably approaching that hour mark. Um, so uh, have you got anything else, any other business? Any other business? Uh, no, just buy the fucking book. Just like, Jesus Christ, just buy the fucking book. I just spent like a lot of time and a lot of money in the fucking book. Just Jesus Christ. Just Colin, I haven't even got it to print yet. You are trying to sell mine, right? Goodbye, this could just could become the book show. The book show. Hi, <laughs> welcome to the book review. <laughs> um, yes, no, buy his book because honestly, you won't shut up about it unless you do. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we should do more of this. I should stick it into my calendar, and I should come see you. I haven't been to Stafford in ages. I, I, you're always welcome. I am currently sitting in the Harmon Suite recording this, so uh, you you are always very welcome here. You know that. Awesome. I shall see you soon. I will get nice wine. that's a prerequisite it is it is right well thank you very much Colin and uh, thank you to everybody out there listening Um, yeah over and out I guess
Ciao. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.